DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Michael Katz, Wyoming Cowboys beat writer for the Laramie Boomerang and Wyoming Tribune Eagle. Michael, good morning. How's it going, guys? Good. So as we follow Wyoming football, we do the spring football tour, trying to gear people up for what the coming season uh, will bring. And as we follow Wyoming football, we see it kind of go in waves. Uh, There's some pretty good teams, but they can't reload. they got to rebuild. Where does Wyoming sit right now? How how high are expectations going into this year? You know, uh, with the way uh, the bowl game went, they they won their game against Georgia State, uh, thirty-eight to seventeen, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their their whole issue last year was, you know, they had a backup quarterback in. Their quarterback, their starter, got hurt. Uh, and I believe it was the eighth game of the season, and, and things kind of fell apart a little bit uh, offensively. Um, but in that bowl game, they put in a true freshman. They started him, and the offense just looked. It was on another level. And so, you know, the storyline this year is you have the kid who uh, is coming back from injury and then you have the freshman. And I think either way, people are just really excited to see where the offense goes. I I mean, the defense is always going to be pretty good under, uh, you know, head coach Craig Bowl. But I think the thing that people are really excited about is is what this offense can be. And if that offense can be good, I I think there's – Really, really high expectations, uh, you know, for this team to win, you know, eight, nine, maybe even ten games. Well, I think there should be. You know, they've had four straight seasons of winning at least six games. You talk about last season, eight wins. They return out of their two deep. They only lose 12 guys. So you look at the quarterback, Sean Chambers is the kid you're speaking of who got injured, and Levi Williams, the kid who came in at the end and and orchestrated that bowl win. Uh, Chambers has said that his left knee that he injured against Nevada in late October is fully healthy. But at the same time, I read where Craig Bowl is saying that he's looking to play both Williams and Chambers at quarterback. How do you think that's going to work out? I, I think it's it's interesting because our understanding was that Sean wasn't going to be available at all uh, during the spring. And so uh, that was kind of going to be a chance for Levi to, I don't know if I'd say take the reins, but... Uh, you know, kind of put himself out there uh, a little bit more. But now that neither, you know, uh, Sean just got clear, I think it was a couple of days ago. So spring practice would have already ended. Uh, but, you know, now that neither of them got that chance to, to, to get a spring ball, I think it's going to be interesting whenever, you know, things do start up again, uh, how Craig handles it. Because, you know, Sean, Sean all Sean does is win games. Uh, but it isn't always pretty. And, uh, you know, Levi has a really small sample size, but uh, things have looked pretty good. And, and, and Craig has said that he is, has thought about maybe running Sean Chambers a little bit less. That's his big element is that he adds so much to the running game. You know, he ran for almost 700 yards and 10 touchdowns in just, you know, eight games last year. Um, and and he you know he has had season-ending injuries in his last two in his first two seasons, and so you know Craig has said that you know maybe that's something he looks at, but he doesn't want to take that element away from Sean because that's what makes Sean so good. Uh, and but we all also know that you know the whole dual quarterback thing doesn't always work out very well. So I think it will be interesting to see how he handles it. But 
uh, I, I think all, uh, you know, I think everybody here is, is pretty excited that, you know, wh- whoever ends up taking the majority of the snaps, it, it's probably going to be a better product than, than what they saw for a lot of last year. Well, a year ago, uh, Xavier Valaday, Xavier, am I pronounced his first name right? Uh, we just call him X. X, okay. Well, X ran for 1,200 yards at five yards a carry. Those are awesome numbers. And his freshman year, he got five and a half yards a carry. He just didn't get as many carries. So he looks like the real deal. Does he have an O-line in front of him? Are they going to be able to lean on the running game no matter who's a quarterback? Yeah, so he was kind of uh, – his story is interesting because he was basically kind of the third guy on the depth chart and then injuries to a couple guys – uh, early in the season, and he kind of had to step in. And like you said, all he did was, you know, lead the Mountain West in rushing guards, the first Wyoming player to ever do that. Uh, and the crazy thing is they returned all of their linemen. Uh, you know, they were uh, they were a honor roll, um, you know, a select selection for uh, one of the, you know, O-line unit awards nationally. They returned everyone. Uh, you know, Craig Bull – he wants to run the ball, even if you know it's coming. He's going to run it down your throat. That's how they play. Uh, and so, you know, as good as, as X was last year, I think the expectation is uh, if he stays healthy, uh, he's he's going to be better. The offensive line is going to be even better. And, you know, the depth behind him is going to be even better. So he doesn't have to carry it, you know, 40 times a game like he was toward the end of the season. I think people are really excited about what he can do. Yeah, you say that about Craig Bull. You know, that they're always or uh, usually very close to the top in the Mountain West in number of rush attempts. Obviously, Air Force is most likely going to lead that every single year. It'll be interesting when the Utes go there. It's probably going to be uh, about, a, a, a what, a 90-minute a game with uh, Kyle demanding that his team runs the ball and Bull runs the ball. It looks like, though, that if the Cowboys want to take the next step, and get to we're talking about the nine to ten wins, win the division, play in the conference title game. That they're going to have to be able to, to throw the ball, which I think is the big issue because you look at the last two seasons and they finish 123rd and 124th in passing. Can they get better there? Yeah, and that's you know I was I was looking through when when Sean announced that he was healthy again. I was looking through his numbers and. You know, I know he's your starting quarterback, but, uh, you know, he completed, I believe it was 43% of his passes through, uh, you know, eight games last year. And, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's going to put you at the bottom nearly every year. The year before was the same thing. You know, they haven't really had a prolific attack since Josh Allen was there. And, uh, you know, Josh's second year, even the numbers went down. So, um, you know, the, the running game is always, is always going to be the key, but, um, you know, I, I think when people saw what Levi Williams did in that bowl game, when he, you know, in his only start of the year, he had the most yards and touchdown passes of any quarterback for the team all season. I think it got people really excited because it kind of showed, you know, if you have that run game and then you add in, you know, even a sort of good passing element, the team's really going to take off. And, and I think that. You know, there's that you know the old adage: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. But I, I think, regardless of who's ending up as you know, quote unquote, the guy, uh, it's it's going to be a, a better product than it was last year. And you know, they won eight games, completing 
you know, like under 50% of their passes uh, for the season, which is kind of insane. Uh, and so, you know, if, if you get that up to 55 to 60, which, you know, in this age of college football isn't great, uh, you know, there's no reason to think they can't win 9-10 games. So defensively, how good are they going to be? You're going to open the season against uh, against Weber State, and Weber State's going to come in with a good defense. They played some Mountain West teams really close. I mean, when you play a six nothing game, you got a defense. You're playing a close game. If you don't have a strong defense right out of the get go, things could get sideways right at the start of the year. Yeah, and uh, you know the the big you know uh, Wyoming's favorite son Logan Wilson, the All American linebacker. You know he he just got drafted by the Bengals. There was another linebacker, Cash Maluia, drafted by the Patriots. They lost it all Mountain West safety, but uh, you know and, th- and those are obviously pretty you know those are those are heavy losses. Uh, but I, I think the general you know understanding is that you know Craig Bull's defenses are usually going to figure out now there is a new defensive coordinator you know they're on their uh you know third defensive coordinator in three years because all of the other ones have gone on to you know power five jobs one was at Kansas State and one went to Washington State this offseason um so you know there is there's that worry especially since there was no spring ball so you know I don't know how much you know face-to-face uh, Jay Savell, their new defensive coordinator, has gotten with you know the guys he does have coming back. But I mean, generally, I, I don't think people really worry about the defenses here. Uh, it, it, the question is always, you know, can they complete passes? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the defense will probably will will it be the top, you know, eleven? I think they were eleventh in scoring defense last year. Maybe not to start out the year. But I, I, I think the general consensus is they'll probably figure it out. Well, I think they've got a track record under Bull. I don't really care who the coordinator is as long as Bull is there. He's an old defensive guy and has been for a number of years. You just look at them. Uh, obviously, Rocky Long was a big-time defensive coach at San Diego State, and I think they led the conference in fewest points allowed. And then and in conference games, anyway, Wyoming, I don't know about the uh, other ones, but in conference games, I think they allowed, uh, what, uh, less than 18 points? So I'm um, even with those losses, as you say, though, I think the foundation of the program is on based on Bowles defense. So in my mind, it doesn't really matter who the coordinator is, even if they come and go. Yeah, no, I, that, and that's kind of the – you know, not not to shortchange what the coordinators have done, but you know, I, I I think the general consensus is as long as Craig is in charge, the defense is probably going to be okay. So, what is the number one thing to worry about? And all this does it go back to where we started with the the quarterbacks and having one leader and not having things get fractured with the two guys? Because if the defense is going to be okay and a running game looks good because the O line's back and the star running back, or is it all the is it all the changes? Because graduating a lot of the receivers, or at least a lot of the top receivers. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's really, you know, I, I don't like this. I don't want to say that losing the, the top receivers isn't a big deal because obviously, you know, two seniors. But, uh, you know, it's not like they were setting the world on fire. And, yeah. and a lot of that is, is because of, you know, the lack of a passing game. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think the passing game has to be, you know, on par with, you know, Boise State's and, and – and, you know, they don't have to be an error rate or, or anything like that. But I just think it has to be more consistent. You know, I think they threw, 
a total of like 11 touchdown passes last year as a team, which is uh, that's that's insane. A team that won eight games uh, that doesn't run the triple option, uh, you know, did that. And so I, I think just figuring out who your guy is. Uh, I'm I'm personally not a huge believer in the whole two quarterback thing. I think you kind of got to figure out who your guy is and and roll with him. I think it's better for the locker room, but. Uh, I, I really think that's that's going to be the key to everything because if that aspect of things gets figured out, there's no reason to think that this this team isn't a good amount better than the one that that won eight games last year. You got the rivalry with CSU that'll always be there. I think one is certainly developing for no other reason than proximity with Utah State, and then also Boise State's always everybody's big dog now. But last year you get the win, or not you, but obviously Wyoming gets the win over Missouri, and that's a Power Five team. And with that in mind, how big is this Utah game then? Oh, I I, I think. You know, assuming uh, you know everything happens uh, the way as it's currently constructed, I think everybody's really, really looking forward to that. Anytime you can get a Pac-12 team, uh, you know, in here, uh, it's and then you know, Laramie is is a hard place to win, and when when good places, or sorry, when good teams come in, I mean, they pack the house, uh, you know. Uh, with Missouri, uh, you know, last year, Boise State a couple years before that when they were ranked in the top 15. Uh, when when good competition comes in, people get really, really, really excited. And, uh, you know, I think the War, War Memorial holds under 40,000, but they're, they're going to fill it up. And, you know, getting a team like Utah, I know this Utah team is going to look a little bit different losing, you know, Moss and Huntley and, and, and all those, you know, those great defenders. But, you know, it's still a big name. It's still a. It's still a really good. It's still a really good program. That's a consistent winner in the Pac-12. And you know, if they were able to get that win under their belt, uh, I think it really would set the stage for uh, potentially a really special season for Wyoming. Craig Bull's done six years in Wyoming. This will be year seven. Uh, I thought Rocky Long was going to be a lifer at San Diego State. Now, he did have a pretty good run, but he did leave, too, to go back, and he's in New Mexico's defensive coordinator. Bull's given some stability and some success there, and seems things seem to go in the right direction here. Is he going to be there for his career? Because we saw his name linked. You know, his name was thrown out there when Colorado, Mel Tucker, you know, bolts after one year. Could somebody come after him, or do you think he's going to coach there another five or six years, as much as anyone can guess what's going to happen five or six years from now? Yeah, that's that's always kind of the worry here is because he has been so solid that someone's going to swoop him up. But, you know, every time I, I think about it, you know, he does something that makes me think that he's that he is going to stay here. You know, this offseason he donated $100,000 to Wyoming's athletic department to help pay for – you know the senior scholarships who uh, for the kids who got their you know spring season taken away and were coming back again. You know he he paid for their scholarships, um, and, and I don't I don't know if a guy who isn't really committed, you know to to his place is is making a move like that. And I know you know money's not a huge issue for him when he's making you know as much as he is, but uh, not every coach in the country is doing that, and coaches make a lot more than he does. And so, you know, I think he's he's always going to be an, an appetizing, you know, name out there because he's, you know, he's he obviously did a great thing at North Dakota State, and he's done, 
great things here at a place where it is, you know, hard to win consistently. But, uh, you know, Craig is, is, he's a very, um, he's old school and he just, he fits Laramie really well. I mean, you would, you would think that he's been here for 30 years just with how, with how comfortable he is and how he sort of fits, you know, the, the quote unquote cowboy tough, you know, culture that they talk about here. He's just sort of a perfect fit, and, and I know he's comfortable. He loves it here. Um, I see him around, you know, when things are open, I used to see him around town getting coffee. Uh, he, 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 I think he really enjoys this sort of lifestyle, and so I think it would have to be a really, really good offer. And the one I always talk about is, you know, if Nebraska, uh, you know, came knocking at his door, because, you know, he's a Nebraska guy. He was a defensive coordinator. Of course, he was fired uh, as defensive coordinator there uh, back in the early 2000s. So, I, you know, I'm not sure if there's bad blood. Uh, but that that's always kind of seemed like maybe the only one that, you know, would maybe be uh, too good of an offer to pass up. But, you know, other than that, it, it would be really hard for me to see him ending his career anywhere else. Well, Michael, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking Wyoming football. We'll uh, we'll probably bother you again during the year since it's Weber State game one and the Utes game three and the Aggies game nine. You're going to be seeing a lot of the Beehive State. I'm okay with that. I got family out there. I love Utah, so I'm, 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 always, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to talk. Thanks for coming on the air. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Michael Katz covers the Wyoming Cowboys. He's the beat writer for the Laramie Boomerang and the Wyoming Tribune eagle and get a big dose of them in september assuming everything goes off as scheduled and keep waiting for weber state to take down a mountain west team they have been close pk and uh at some point they'll get somebody season opener you never know well those will be two good programs actually you know we'll see what uh, weber brings back but uh wyoming should be pretty doggone good because uh bowl he'll be 62 in july so mm-hmm. i don't expect him to go anywhere at this point but he is cut from the Kyle Whittingham, uh, Rocky Long program in terms of tough defenses and run the ball as much as you can. And uh, they they didn't they may have lost senior receivers, but they didn't lose anybody no. uh, from that perspective. Because they didn't throw the ball well. Now Sean Chambers was getting better. You know, he only completed the 40-some percent, but at the end, his last couple ball games before he got injured, he was up over 60. So I would think that he would, as long as he's healthy, would be able to reclaim that starting job, and the passing attack will be better. But it will never be prolific under Bowl because that's not who he is. He's about running the ba- um, as I say basketball, running the football, and playing good defense. That's what he's built a foundation on at when he was at what North Dakota State, and he had won all those games. That there and was really great and then also here at Wyoming and he's done a fabulous job at Wyoming and he's going to go down as one of their better coaches and he's going to stick with the plan I read a quote from him saying if you expect me to be Mike Leach forget it it's not going to happen it's just not it's not who he is well, it's working for him. I mean, his overall record isn't that good, but he inherited, you know, a tough situation, and the first couple of years weren't great, but they've been bowling three times in four years. They've had some good teams. They played in a conference title game, so it's definitely been a good stretch for them, and the longer they can get him to stay there, the better off. They gave him a seven-year contract, and I don't know if they've redone that, and he ought to be, well, I don't know if he can be halfway through a seven-year contract, but you get the point. I think it's four down, three to go. 
Well, yeah, he maybe started three down, uh, four to go. Yeah. those first two years. He was like a total of uh, six and 18. But then his third year had the breakthrough, and he hasn't had a losing season in the last four. And he's won eight games three times. The one season where they didn't go bowling, they were bowl eligible. They went six and six, but probably at Wyoming because they don't travel as well. You're going to have to do a little bit better than that. And they have the distinction of forever, forever playing in the final Poinsettia Bowl. The final Poinsettia Bowl. <laughs> Sorry that went away. Uh, it's three down, four to go, I think, on a seven-year contract. Three down, four to go. This will be year four, right in the middle of the seven-year deal. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. The focus is on preparing the play as scheduled, Labor Day weekend. I think that's an important message uh, publicly. I think it's important for our, our student athletes to hear from me that we're focused on that preparation. Now, whether or not we can make that happen, that's going to be up to the circumstances around the virus. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey saying he hopes to play Labor Day weekend. So I'm going with a probably there. He guarantees nothing, but that's the plan now. Bruce Harrell, the University of Iowa president, says they're going to resume activities June 1 with the Hawkeye football program, and he told that to the State Board of Regents. So that's not the speculative stuff that's been driving you nuts every day. Those are decision makers laying out their plans, PK. you got to see a little bit of hope in that. Oh, I have a lot of bit of hope which is an oxymoron, but nevertheless, <laughs> that's what I have. Now, I also realize that it's more on the hope than the actual set in stone, but I'm very hopeful. If for no other reason, you know, I've preached about following the money, and we all know that there's so much money at stake, that why, why say something isn't going to happen unless it absolutely cannot happen? It doesn't make any sense. Not Especially, even if there was no financial Involvement, which obviously there is literally millions in all of these, and you put it together, and the man, they put all these sports together and talk about the economic situation, and it's astronomical. So, yeah, I'm going to have hope in this and believe in the best until I am told otherwise, and that's across the board. You know, when we say follow the money, there is a cynical thing that goes with that, and it's because we're often talking about an industry where there's individuals making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're employees of people who make, who who are worth billions of dollars. Yeah. So there's a whole scenario, oh, the money, you know. But when we say follow the money now, we are talking about people who make thousands of dollars who are worried about making a rent or mortgage payment in May, June, July, or August, or September. You know, yes. everybody's got oh, yeah. the, the certain amount of cash, and you may be out this month, and you may think, I'm good for three months, or whatever. You know, so, it's like, when we follow the money, I think we need to make sure that everyone knows we're taking the cynical edge off. You know, and there is, and, and the truth is that there is a link between the people who make thousands and the people who make millions and the people who make hundreds of millions. And so there is a link. Everybody sinks or swims together. Now, some people swim a lot faster 
Some people don't swim nearly as fast, you know. But there is a link here. But the chance to restart games, even if they have to do it without fans, still means a lot of jobs, and oh, yeah, it yeah, still impacts yeah, a lot of yeah. people. Now, if you're able, and we had uh, Mark Amicone on, and he was talking about the different business models, like Major League Baseball needs to get going, and if they do it without fans, well, they got these huge TV contracts, right? Yeah. And and the broadcasts themselves employ a lot of people that you never see on TV. And how those people will work. You know, people in the truck, okay, you got to be careful. You're in a confined environment for hours at a time. That's a little different than the one lone guy who's uh, out there, and it could be a woman, but it's usually a guy who's standing out there in center field uh, shooting the game. You know, that's not nearly as dangerous a situation. Uh, you know, they got to figure all that stuff out. And Mark was talking about how AAA baseball doesn't automatically come back because it's very driven by the gate. So, AAA baseball will probably have to happen just because the players are at that level. And so, he was talking about possibly uh, playing in Arizona in the spring training complexes at night because you got it. You need the development for the younger uh, AAA players. And for the veterans, you need them to be prepped because they're going to be needed. They're going to be injuries at some point, especially if you're playing a lot of doubleheaders. It's like you said earlier, you're just going to need more arms. Yeah, and then also you brought up the point, you know, we know certain bees games can situationally, whether it's fireworks or whatnot, or somebody, uh, Mike Trout, comes down for rehab. It's just, you know, use an example. That'll bump up the crowd. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, well, yeah, true. If we can't have 10,000, 3,000 is better than zero. So, uh, and I also think that we just need it for the psyche. I mean, look at the freaking NFL draft, the numbers that that thing brought and it's just those outrageous numbers that people were watching because come on man we're just it's what we do it's what i've done for all of my life now i've never locked down on two and a half consecutive days of nfl draft finally saturday afternoon i thought i'm just never mind <laughs> the rest on my phone yeah uh, but i round five i check it. out yeah all of it all of it thursday all of it friday and why well, it's because there was no playoff games, man. I would have uh, been watching playoff games, or I would have been at a playoff game watching a playoff game. But they weren't there. We need it for the morale of the country, man. That's I put out a thing. I wrote it a few weeks back. Sports matter more than ever, and I got a bunch of blowback. Oh, I haven't. I don't miss. No, you're missing the point, man. I'm not talking about the results of the games and the standings. I'm just talking about for the well-being of all of us and what we do together. Sports bring people together. I mean, it was that Billy Crystal has a thing uh, where he's, I think it was the movie. Uh, what was that? City Slickers. But he also did a play, a one-man play, and I watched that, and a lot of it was involved with him in the sports. And I, said, I think in the movies, it might have even have been real life, but it, it certainly mirrored real life where he said, man, when I was 20 years old, that's all I could talk to my father about because he was of the generation, and you know where Crystal was in the time of the 60s, and I wasn't of age at that point, but we know how turbulent it was and how uh, people were divided, but the sports brought them together. We, we just need it for our morale. Well, apparently we're about to get it. Uh, I should say, though, I should say we got into this. Uh, Bob Bowlesby said he's optimistic about the start of the season, but he is worried about a disruption later in the season. Okay, fine. So I guess, you know, I think I appreciate when people like Bob Bowlesby talk like that because I just don't think 
any of us know what's coming. And so anytime I hear someone say, we got to go out there and live like normal, or we got to completely lock it down, man, the extremes make less sense to me than ever. You know, we, we, if we completely lock it down, people are losing their homes, homeless, hungry people, I mean, 40,000 people or some humongous number lining up for the Utah Food Bank distribution. I mean, that is just unbelievable. So, you know, we need some of this. And at the same time, you know, you, you look at the death totals here, and, and by percentage, it could be worse. And the, and the total number could be worse. But it's still like, this is like a Vietnam War era number of dead. I think 57 or 58,000 American soldiers died in the Vietnam War, and over six grand. So like we we got to be smart and we got to admit that we don't know everything and try to manage both of these things at the same time as best you can. So when Bob Bowlesby comes out and then Greg Sankey did too to some degree, hey, we this is the plan but we may have to change the plan. I want to hear that more than any definitives that anybody's got this completely figured out because every time somebody references the last pandemic, it was 100 years ago, and we can read about it, but we didn't live through it, and society's changed, and medicine has changed, so everybody, we just got to be flexible going forward. Well, I'm telling you, rather than a pandemic, I want pancakes. Nice. My wife actually made uh, French toast uh, two days ago. Awesome. Got home from radio and had some French toast. I can do some pancakes, though. Yeah. Pancakes, pandemic, Pan Am Airlines. What, <laughs> what would you rather have? Uh, Pan American Games. Pan American Games? I like See? it. Yeah. I'd like to travel the Pan American Highway. I don't know where that is. Uh, it tra- it's uh, basically down the West Coast, but all the way up and down North and South America. You're supposed to be able to drive down to the tip of South America on it, right, to Chile? There's one stretch, apparently, somewhere in Central America that's not completed. But other than that, yeah, you can make the full trip. Right. Is it a toll world? I don't believe so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but 25 cents per mile. Come on, you love the Pacific, but when you talk about the Pacific, you're usually talking about a... What five to ten mile stretch? You got a couple favorite beaches there in Southern California, but the yeah. whole thing, PK. Let me tell you a quick little story since we brought that up. You know, we hang with the Monsons. We haven't in a while, uh, but we we have, and we've gone on a couple of trips together and all. And we were the four of us were just uh, just talking one day, and we said, you know, when, when my wife and I were younger, I had a little Nissan truck, and I mean, we were in our twenties, and I was working in California, and we took a trip up uh, the coast and went all the way to San Francisco. Actually went to a ball game, went to Santa Cruz, and we just stopped wherever we wanted. Big Sur, Santa mm-hmm. Cruz, uh, Hearst Castle, and all that stuff. And so we took a week off, and we just stopped. Well, we talked about, hey, we should get a convertible, you know, pick a great summertime, and the four of us just do that, and we'll have more money. I mean, we literally camped. We didn't stay in any hotels because we didn't have any money. Well, I got more money now, and, uh, you know, we can we just have a great time. And Gordon says, well... Yeah, but why don't we take the uh, the five and we can get up there quicker? Have you Gordon? What is you're wrong just, with him? You're totally missing the, the point. point of the freaking adventure. <laughs> what an idiot he was. I've driven the five, and I know this gets to California freeway talk. I should call Gordon. The five wasn't com- <laughs> the five wasn't complete when I was a kid, and we had friends in the Central Valley. And from San Diego, we drive up to a, this town outside of Fresno called Visalia, and you had to drive up the ninety nine. And when the five was done, you could go faster, but it was a little out of the way. And when I lived in Santa Barbara. You can go up the 101 on the coast, which is 
Um, the one is right on the water, and you got to do 25 miles an hour because it's so curvy in some stretches. Oh, Big Sur will make you dizzy if you're sitting in the back seat. Right, exactly. <laughs> the 101's a little ways inland, um, but you still the temperatures are lower. It's still coastal, but you're doing 55 to No, I want 60. right on the water. I'm not right. in any hurry. The 5 is in the Central Valley. You drive past these massive, I mean, they're just the cattle yards forever, and you just Oil fields. Oh, oil fields too, yes. And it just smells, and it's hot, and there's nothing to see. Now, you can do 75 miles an hour. They're probably doing 80 miles an hour, but I think it's posted 70 or 75. And so you fly, and you make great time. But, like, these are three completely different drives. I know. And nobody, I mean, you might pick A and you might pick B. You only pick five for speed. It is a nasty, boring, hot drive with no view along the way. You pick five for the fight, too. We know that. But you, you're not. We're talking about making a coastal drive. <laughs> and he says, let's go there. We can get there quicker. Well, we're not going anywhere, you fool. We got nowhere to go. We go wherever the wind takes us. We're in a convertible. We got music playing, Buffett or whatever type of music you want, beach music. We're not in any hurry. And he says, well, let's go up this one. We can get there quicker. All three of us simultaneously slapped him in the back of the head. When you do that uh, trip next time, you got to take the golf clubs because, of course, obviously there's Pebble Beach, although it's freakishly expensive, and then there are these other courses there that you see on TV. You know, see you see Spyglass, right? Oh yeah, I think they got five of them. Yeah, right. But if you keep going north, there are dozens of courses, and it rains there. Everything is. Man, I played in Santa Barbara, and it was so dry, and it was like it was like hitting off I-15, right? And and you go in these courses, and they are so lush, and they are gorgeous, and there's one after another after another. A lot of them are public courses. I mean, everything's more expensive than Utah golf, because Utah golf is really inexpensive. But there's so many courses, it's also not freakishly expensive. It's not, you know, you're not paying 400 bucks for a round or something like that. Well, you wait till twilight. Yeah, we've paid at Half Moon Bay, which is literally right on the water, yep. and it's spectacular. I was there a few years back when the Utes were playing Cal. On that, Zach Moss was a freshman. He ran the wrong way, and they got mm-hmm. uh, tackled on the goal line there. And I finished up. We went in after the show, so I got there uh, on that Friday, and we hustled down there. And I finished as a par 5 on 18. I made par as the sun was setting, literally. <laughs> a true story, gospel truth. And all I wanted, I sucked that round, but all I wanted to do was par 18 because you could see, and it was a crystal clear day, and all these people come out, and everybody's out there, the hotel's big time, and they all come out there, and it's just, you're not going to find a better, you'd have to go to Hawaii, probably, to even come close to finding a better view then, and that's what we did, and it was just sensational, and I want to do it again. Okay, now, for all of you who are planning this trip, just know, if you go as soon as Sulgul gets out in the summer, it's going to be all foggy, and it's not going to be yeah. what PK just told you. you got to well, we go... This was uh, go early October. Late summer or fall. Always remember, the weather at Niners games is usually way better than the weather at Giants games. Let that be your guide. I think yeah, you've got that... a tweet similar to mine, DJ, on this. The Pan Am Highway, apparently US 89, is part of it. So, oh, really? Be yeah. dipped. Did not know. So we have the pandemic... The Pan Am Games, mm-hmm. the Pan Handle Highway, Pan-handle and Pancakes. <laughs> it's not the Pan Handle Highway. Is that what you said? The Pan Handle Highway? Pan Am Highway, but you know. And you know what yeah. PK is going to do while he drives the Pan Am Highway? He's going to listen to Pandora. Am I right? All your music, PK. You got to have your music. 
Oh, all I done. got all. Yeah, you can get Pandora, Spotify. I mean, uh, I got. Well, I know, but it's got to start with the pan, PK. Okay, if you want that, then yeah, okay, I'm down with that. If you want to go that exclusively, I, I see where you're going. Yeah, and actually, I thought, guys, I'm gonna do throw some show topics on the air. I thought we should have a game, a game, game segment. Like and just come up with crap like that since we got more time now and just come up with stupid stuff and just just let it flow. Stream of consciousness. Yeah, like what do you want? Pandemic, pancakes, travel the Panhandle Highway, uh, listening to Pandora. Yeah, let's let's see how stupidly creative we can get. <laughs> oh, I I don't underestimate us. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Feedback of the day is next. And a almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Should I get my haircut, PK? That's the question. Only 18.6% want me to get my haircut. <laughs> 35 says you get a perm, and 43 want me to go until I have a ponytail. Well, I think that you go until everything is open and up again, so it's understood. You have, I don't know if the word excuse is the right word. If you wanted to grow it longer, so be it. I don't think you need an excuse. But under the circumstances, if you're not getting it cut every six weeks or whatever it is your uh, duration is, then it's it's understood. Well, he can't go do that. Although I think that stuff is opening up because my wife uh, told me that her like we go to the same lady, and uh, she was saying that uh, they've got, she the lady texted her she has seventy five people she's got to fit in next week <laughs> because everyone's been waiting. Well, I can go another week then if that's what it is. I got to call. I got to call the woman who cuts my hair and see what the deal is. Yeah. And if that's it, then I can just go another week. It's exactly. Not, it's not that big a deal. No, so. and no one's going to say anything because of the circumstances. <laughs> it's not, it's in care. it's out of character, but it's in character right now. Yeah. But I think also that uh, you just can't go forever because even though it's like one small thing in a gazillion dollar economy, it's like that's the, that's the kind of business transaction that's got to resume. That, those kind of business deals, they matter. It's only, you know, whatever it is, get your hair cut. I don't know. It's usually more. Your, your wife probably pays more than you do. But it doesn't matter if you're paying 25 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever. Right. You know, it's still all that stuff adds up. So as much fun as it is, like, I mean, it's weird to say it's your patriotic duty to get your hair cut. But it kind of is because there's a, there's a gazillion. It's like if you can go out and order and if you're, I guess, some of these restaurants that can open up aren't going to open up right away, the combination of reconfiguring right. and right, maybe right. the economics don't work for them because they can't seat enough people, you yeah. know, but you can still order takeout and move what a few bucks, move a few bucks around and yeah. help. See, my, my uh, style is she does my hair for free because she told me just the opportunity to run my fingers through oh, her luscious hair <laughs> is something that gives me such joy that I don't have to charge you. So that's an unusual uh, circumstances because I've got a beautiful set of hair. <laughs> Whatever. It's Set of hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it. That's how. It's not just a head of hair. It's a set of hair. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just making stuff up. I mean, you guys have been <laughs> jealous of it. I've seen you look at it. Uh, Daniel thinks I should shave my head completely, and then he's got a uh, he's got a guy laughing his head off. Uh, Alex thinks I should go with cornrows. Basically, the more outrageous, the better. What is the most outrageous thing I could do? Should I go Dennis Rodman and just like dye my hair multiple colors? I was say. 
With Put some. Rodman? No, I think that's see that seems freakish. <laughs> the cornrow, you're making a statement. You Chester Trailer just tweeted in, go the Bob Ross route. <laughs> White man fro, yes. That's what he said. A little out of style, but yeah, what the heck. Uh, apparently he's got a photo here of uh, Bob before he uh, before he permed his hair. Yeah, okay. I, I'd never seen that. He's Bob is the guy who had the painting show that was on PBS uh, late nights. You'd, you'd be up sick or whatever, or up with a sick kid or something, and that thing would be on, and it reran forever. I think he's, he passed away several years ago, I think. It's still out there, though. You can YouTube it. And he always talked in a very soothing voice. Just the kind of art that has really pretty inspired. Trees, pretty trees. Right. It's the kind of art that's really inspired and guided your life, PK. All right. I'll see you Monday. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. Scotty and Hans are up next. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports after episodes five and six of The Last Dance. See ya.